Hello there and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Everyone Has a Story, the podcast that complements our two quarterly lifestyle magazines, Hello Sunshine and In Noosa Magazine. The spring issues of both of those titles are on the streets of the Sunshine Coast right now. And if you'd like your brand to be part of our summer editions, please reach out to our customer service team. Find us on Facebook and on Instagram. Now, today's guest is a woman of many talents and passions. She's always been fascinated by different industries and opportunities and has pursued her goals with courage and creativity. From organising dream weddings to running successful gymnasiums and fitness centres in Australia and in the Cayman Islands, to launching a chain of popular art and wine studios. My guest is a female entrepreneur who has learned valuable lessons along the way. It's been a journey of discovery, challenge and growth, and a journey that still has some way to go. Everyone has a story, and today I'd like you to meet Rebecca Bateman. We started our chat talking about her very first art studio. It was actually called Colour and Cork, and we started that back in 2019. Um, I started that in Hobart because I'm originally from Hobart. However, I wasn't living there at the time. Um, But when I got introduced to the sip and paint concept when I was overseas, that's when the idea came to me and I thought, okay, I, I know Hobart is big on the art culture and I think this could do really well down there um, and I know the area quite well. So, yeah, so I opened that just uh, before COVID, about six months before COVID and um, set that up in the Mac 1 building down there. Were you a painter, Beck? Is that your passion, painting? Do you know what? I, I'm not a painter. My my mum's the painter. But what I really loved about the sip and paint concept is it kind of speaks to non-painters, I guess. Um, when I was introduced to the concept when I was on holidays, I just loved it because it was so uh, – it made painting so much easier than I thought in my mind, I guess, and just the experience of doing it and the step-by-step and how much fun I had. Um, that's why I fell in love with it, the whole experience. Because I, uh, we did a thing, uh, like a collab. I think it was with Noosa Alive a few years ago. Yes. It was down the beach. Yes. And I, I, I'm not a painter. I, I like to think I'm a bit artistic when it comes to music and things like that, right? Yes. I always had this impression that as soon as I pick up a brush, I, I, it's because I, I see abstract work and I think I'm going to be fantastic. <laughs> like I just think, you know, how easy is this, right? Irrespective, yeah. irrespective of what I throw on the canvas, I think it's gonna. Anyway, that was the first uh, time I ever did that. I picked up a brush down at the beach when we did that event, and yes. uh, look, the end result it was wasn't great. <laughs> my my <laughs> painting was just I, and I felt really disappointed. I was like, oh, I thought I'd be so much better at this. <laughs> Do people come in? Do people come in with that that concept of that it's an easy thing to do? What I mean, well, like, what's the, you know, what what are the parameters when you get people together to do that? Do, do they have a, a a sense of that it's probably it's a lot harder than what it seems? Well, I think they actually think it's going to be harder, but when we uh, break it down um, into steps, they actually realise how easy it can be, you know, with how, you know, we do the background first and then we move forward into the details and so forth. So I think they're actually surprised. I don't know what happened to you at the beach, but (laughs) you went the opposite. Um, So people come in, I guess, 
for the experience and just to have fun. You know, we don't obviously get, you know, super good artists in here because they already know the basics <laughs> of painting. Um, but they come in, you know, they're unsure of what's going to happen, but they're just open to this new experience. And then they walk out and like, oh, actually that was broken down really good. And I, I was able to walk away with something you know, yeah. that I can hang up. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, I do think that we do speak to people who don't do art that much. And I think, you know, the way that we conduct our sessions is for those people that just want to have a bit of fun that maybe will bring back their passion into painting or like, you know, yeah. anything like that. Yeah. I was thinking it was a real gateway. I thought, you know, I'm going to do yeah. this and the next thing I'm going to have like an easel and I'm going to spend Sunday <laughs> afternoons out in the yard and I'll be painting <laughs> landscapes. But it didn't kind of pan out that way. You mentioned that your mum was the artist. Uh, and Did you grow up in, in Tasmania, in, in Hobart? Yeah, I grew up in Hobart. Um, my mum was an art teacher and she still does art and does um, sells paintings and so forth. So I was always, you know, around that kind of culture. Um, but, yeah, so I suppose that's where it comes from. I mean, I still do, like, a lot of the collections that we bring out, I have a lot of say in that about what I want to see in the studios. And, you know, we design those with the artists, so I still have a lot of say. But as far as actually painting the paintings. I, I hire all the staff to do that. Did you, when you were a kid growing up, did you think you were going to follow an artistic path because of what your mum did or did you have other plans and dreams? Um, you know, I wanted to be an actress and or wanted to be like a musician. I used to do um, piano. Then I moved into, um, I was a wedding planner for 10 years so I did a lot of that. That was all about the experience and like the finer details and things like that. I used to design a lot of weddings. So I went into that um, and I guess that's where a lot of the background comes from, you know, um, how people, as soon as they walk through the door, what they experience, the layout of the studio, how comfortable they are and the music and the overall vibe. That I suppose that comes from my background of doing wedding planning. When you meet people for the first time and you exchange the pleasantries, you know, in those social surroundings, people don't scratch the surface too deeply. But what's something about you that that uh, would surprise people when, when, when they meet you for the first time, Beck? Um, I guess... Well, when I say I own the, the Frida's brand, they're pretty surprised at that. But I also own a few other businesses as well. So I have a gym brand as well that um, I franchise. Um, I have a business overseas. So they're kind of surprised about the different types of things I do, I guess. Well, you're, you're um, more an entrepreneur, really, than, than I mean, you've got yeah. that artistic flair. But that's yeah. great. Can I, can I pick your brain about the, the business side of things? Because part of yeah, the thing sure. that we do with the podcast as well is yeah. is delve into to how people set these up and, and how they go yeah. about things. Because yeah. the podcast is very relatable. People hear you talk and they say, well, you know, if Beck can do it, then I can do it. So yeah. you had this artistic flair and this artistic side of your personality, but really you're quite entrepreneurial in terms of setting these businesses up. Uh, first of all, I guess the, the business overseas, what, what business is that? So I have an F45 studio overseas. Yeah. Um, I did live in the Cayman Islands for eight years, which is in the Caribbean. Um, and while I was there, I set up a wedding planning business where we used to design weddings and coordinate them. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that was my first business I started. And then when I moved back to Australia, that's when I set up the F45 over there because I already knew the, the area and I knew it quite well. Um, I guess... 
Yeah, I guess just with businesses, if you have enough confidence and you just believe in it and just give it a red hot crack, yeah. it usually just works. You've just got to believe in yourself and say, okay, if this doesn't work, what's the worst that's going to happen? So of, that's what the mindset I've always had. Out of all the places in the world, why the Caribbean? Um, I moved over there. Uh, my partner at the time, he got offered a job over there and I moved over there with him. And then I started uh, working for a production company and then set up my own business over there. And we just settled down there. It was only supposed to be a year, but we settled down there for eight years and um, had my first son there, got Did you married. enjoy it? Yeah. Did you enjoy living over there? Oh, it was amazing, yeah. It's, yeah. But it is a very small island. It's like tiny, tiny. And it's great until you start having kids and then, you know, you can't party as much on the pirate ships and you can't drink as much rum and... You have to come home eventually. What, what was that <laughs> you mentioned? Trip. What was that you mentioned about pirate ships? What do you mean? Pirate ships and rum. That's a lot of the the Saturday nights were on yeah. pirate ships and drinking rum. Yeah. <laughs> now, part of my ignorance when it comes to geography and islands that are or are, are not part of the Caribbean is Jamaica part of the Caribbean? Yes. Yeah. Right. So Cayman Islands is about forty five minute flight from from Jamaica. Right. Now, look, yeah. I had a, a friend who recently went over there and worked for six months, I think, for a, a mining company in Jamaica. Now, he yes. came back, and obviously there are good parts and bad parts in, in all regions around the world. He yes. came back terrified. He, he thought the crime, uh, what was happening, he thought that was one of the worst experiences yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, did, did you do you have an insight into, or, or a story in relation to, to anything like that or where you were, it was quite protected? Um, you know, Cayman Islands, there is a lot of expats and it's that financial kind of hub. So it's a lot different to Jamaica. I've been to Jamaica before. Um, you know, there's areas you would, wouldn't go. Yeah. But yeah, the Cayman Islands, it's definitely, it's not, there is some violence, but you know, it's definitely geared towards the expats working on the island. So it's quite safe. And when you say expats, I mean, if for us in the Southern Hemisphere, the Caribbean's kind of a destination for Brits. And Americans, mm -hmm. would I be right? Not not a lot of Aussies would find themselves in the Caribbean. Would that would I be right? Um, there is a few. There's a lot of South Africans there as well. A lot of Brits for sure. Yeah. Um, a few a few Australian people. I met a lot of Australian people there. Um, yeah. I guess it's probably probably the most um, sought after island to go to if you're going to go anywhere and work in the financial sector. Why the financial sector? It's all tax-free. <laughs> There's right. a lot of banks on there. <laughs> yes. Now, now, see, now you're opening my eyes again. And, and now that you mentioned I went, yes, I, I've watched enough movies to go, you want to set up an account in the Cayman Islands. I see. So that's the attraction for uh, yeah. for people to to live yeah. there because it's tax-free. Is that is that the reason? Uh, yeah, and because there's so much work, because there's a lot of offshore accounts and all this type of stuff. So, yeah. Right. I mean, I wasn't involved in that because I did wedding planning. Yeah. So. Would yeah. you would you go back? I'm always like I haven't travelled extensively. I've done a little bit of travelling in my life, and and even though I have a, an Italian heritage, and and yeah. people talk to me about they can say you should live in Italy. I go why? I go where we live already live in the best part of the world. Would you go yeah. back and live in the Cayman Islands? No, not at all. No, no. <laughs> I went back there to uh, open the studio, the F45 studio. Oh, five years after I left and you know it's had its day like you know you go back there and you're like no and uh you know Australia is so beautiful like there's so much to do here and so much on offer so no yeah. I definitely wouldn't well that that's it I have a good friend of mine who's who has traveled extensively and I love his quote because he says uh, the best part about travel is coming home 
100%. And I think yeah. you realise as beautiful as, you know, the Cayman Islands or Tuscany might yeah. be, uh, when you come home, you know, the, envir- oh, the environment's pristine. The, the And especially and for you growing up in Tasmania, isn't it one of the, 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 the most pristine uh, states in the country, is it not? Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. I was down there this week, actually. I just got back yesterday. So I have a house down there and I go down there often just to visit. And it's just beautiful. I mean, you know, if it had the same weather as Noosa up here, it would be overpopulated. Like, it's gorgeous. <laughs> the problem is it's it's very cold most of the time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the food there, the festivals, the people, it's all, yeah, it's gorgeous. But then you go to the Noosa Beach and you're like, oh, wow, this is pretty amazing too. So, yeah. It's apples yeah. and oranges. I've had, I have the same. I lived in Melbourne for a period of time, and although I miss the buzz of a big city, when you're yeah. sitting on the beach at Little Cove, you go, nothing compares. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> even the, even a beach in the Caribbean is not as good as our Noosa Beach. Yeah, 100%. you know what? We were at uh, Waikiki Beach in January as well, and the water was yeah. soapy, and there's coral right under your foot as soon as you yeah. step into that soapy yeah. water. And I thought, this doesn't happen at Little Cove. It's like <laughs> no. there's, there's nothing like this in the world. Can I ask how you ended up? Um, I mean, you know, in the the, the Cayman Islands, um, originally from Tasmania. How did you end up in this part of Australia? Um, we, we, I moved back to Tasmania to have my second child um, and then decided that Brisbane's going to be our next home. So moved there, opened some more F45 studios there. And then after COVID had happened and we decided what, where do we want to raise our children, we always used to come here for holidays and I was like, what a better place to move to Noosa? Um, you know, and that's when we opened up our third studio here. Um, we found our little spot in the junction and, yeah, this is where we'll stay now. Can I ask, um, I've spoken to a lot of business owners over the last um, couple of years, especially during the pandemic, even though we weren't, you know, as affected here in Queensland as, say, Victorians. Can I pick your business brain now? How, what was important? What did, like, did you get the whiteboard out? Like, how did you, what did you do with your business brands during the yeah. pandemic? How did you, did you hibernate the business? What, what was important to you in terms yeah. of keeping those businesses running? And how did you do that? Yeah, look, we got affected mostly uh, when it first happened, and that was our Hobart studio, and we had to close that for three months. But we looked at that as an opportunity to say, okay, we've been running for six months. How have we been doing? Let's take this time to assess the business, change anything we need to change, and then reopen. Um, And we did. When we did that and we reopened and we rebranded it to Frida's. Um, And also during that time as well, it was really important for us to keep our um, staff employed as well. So we had... um, Online, we actually created an app which was um, uh, worldwide so people could jump onto the app and we did uh, video tutorials of the actual session. Great. Um, So we employed our um, staff to do that. Um, We would go around and deliver all the canvases and the paints. Um, We'd even do paint your pets so people would send in the sketches, uh, sorry, the pictures and would sketch up and paint them and that earned commission on that as well. So that was really important for us to connect with the community, have them to do something while the lockdowns were happening, keep our staff employed. Um, And then I guess when we reopened, we rebranded, we you know, ironed out all the creases of our, our business, what was working, what was not. And then, yeah, just everyone just wanted to get out and experience life again. So it kind of worked in our favour. I mean, we did we did start expanding more and we were really lucky that we expanded in the Queensland 
area first and then we went over to Fremantle. So a lot wow. of those areas weren't affected. Um, and, you know, we were lucky because of our studio size. Um, we've always had really large studios that we could do the social distancing without affecting too much. You know, we were able to change floor plans around and still offer uh, people to come into the studio in a safe environment. Yeah. Um, I don't like the word pivot, but everybody was using the word pivot and, and, and you guys yeah. did did just that with the app. Yeah. Is the app yeah. side of that business still operating and it, does it still work successfully or is it more back in-house again, how the original concept was designed? Yeah, it's back in-house now because we've been focusing on the in-studio um, concept, but we will be um, redoing that. So we shut it down for a period of time um, because it was a lot you know, to keep going. But we have been talking about uh, reintroducing that because, you know, we had people from all around the world subscribing to that and, and, awesome. and downloading that. Yeah. So that will be our next kind of thing to, to get the brand a bit more nationally and internationally as well. What's the most uh, – well, actually, before I get onto that, I assume – did you do the same with the gyms? Because the gyms were affected. Did you offer – like there was an online – portal in terms of staying fit staying what, what happened with the, the the gym side of your business yeah so well we were quite lucky we actually sold our brisbane gyms just before covid but our uh, f45 overseas was affected obviously we had to close that but we you know we didn't want to take money off people you know over that time so we just offered um beach workouts so um you know every morning the the trainers would go to the beach offer this free service everyone would go and train we did online stuff and you know we had members going please can we charge like can you charge us for this and we said no like we're all in it together and I think when you give back you know that really comes back tenfold so yeah true uh, when we reopened you know we had that following still um, and you know it is important because you can't try to I guess our thing was we can't try to make money when everyone's affected like we just have to kind of see yeah. what we can do for the community while it's all happening. Yeah. How can you, well, value adds not the right idea, but how can you ingrain yourself uh, yeah. into that mentality in terms of, you know, it's a brand that they, well, you know, that they did the right thing by us during this period of time. I'm going to continue to support yeah. them when the doors open. Yeah. yeah. Now you've mentioned uh, a couple of times uh, the birth of, well, at least two kids. How many do you have all up? Yeah, I have two. So I've got a yeah. 12 year old and a nine year old. Um, yeah. How do you balance? I always need to pick the brains of any working parent. Uh, how do you balance the raising kids of that age and, and all the businesses that you have as, as well, Beck? What's what's most challenging in, with that? Uh, to be honest, the more that the brands grow, the easier it gets with the kids. And I think that's because, you know, we have so much support now. You know, when we first, like I know when I was doing wedding planning and it was just me, like it was, you know, up till 2 a.m., you know, trying to do everything. Um, and even when we first opened our first studio, but as we grow, you know, we've got a support team which have their roles. So it's actually making it a lot easier for me just to oversee everything. I mean, obviously I still work full time, but, you know, I get to go home and be with them as soon as they get get back. So I think like I put definitely put in the hard yards at the start and that was pretty challenging with newborns. Yeah. Um you know, when I was doing wedding planning, I was in the hospital giving birth, basically. I was still on the calls to brides, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just it was just craziness. And But sometimes you just have to do that and, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. But it's getting a lot easier just with the, the work-life balance. And I, and I think, like, just not worrying so much, you know, there's always tomorrow. Like, not everything has to be done today. Yeah. Um, and the kids, you know, come first, obviously. But... 
yeah, there's always going to be a list of things to do. So, Would you describe yourself as a risk taker? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. What, um, what, talk about that. What, what motivates you in terms of you're looking at a new project, a new location, a new whatever? Uh, what, what are the pros and cons that, that, that you run through in your head in terms of is this viable or not? Yeah, I guess like obviously numbers that comes into consideration and looking at it and going, is this feasible? Um, we also look at like if it's not going to succeed, what detriment will that have on me and will that you know, if I open a studio and it doesn't succeed, am I going to go bankrupt or, you know, what's the worst case scenario? So I have that in my head just in case and I'm comfortable with that, yeah. you know, if that does happen. But then also just I think the mindset of like this is going to happen and we're going to make it work and just always coming in just with a positive mindset and just, you know, saying, I mean, like I don't know how to paint, but somehow I have Super Paint <laughs> Studios because I just I just have so much belief in like what we do. Yeah. Um, and I just know other people will love the experience. So... I think, yeah, just, just yeah, taking a risk at everything basically and just it pays off in the end. Um, Do you always have a plan B? Uh, not really, no. Really? <laughs> no. Right. No, I don't. I mean, I'm, if you do the risk assessment, there's things I wouldn't take on if I'm like, no, nah, that's too risky. But, you know, like yeah. I said, the plan B is if it doesn't work, I'll be okay. Yes, the numbers yeah. have got to stack up. And if it doesn't work, yeah. it's not going to end in a heap on the ground. No, exactly. Yeah. 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 Are you where you thought you'd be uh, at your age when, say, you, you go back to 10-year-old self, 12-year-old self, are you where you thought you'd be uh, in terms of life, career, uh, where you're living, um, that kind of thing? Um, I, to be honest, growing up, I didn't really have a plan of what I was going to do. Um, I've like, I knew I wanted to probably get into acting, but I've never been like, oh, this is what I want to do hundred percent. So I've kind of just taken every day as it comes. But, you know, I do look, I'm 40 now and I look at like where I've, all the things I've done. And I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Like, I'm like quite proud of myself. Um, and I've got a lot to do still. So oh, yeah, talk- there are times where I have to pinch myself and go, yeah. you know, you've got to give yourself more credit. Like yeah. you've done pretty well. You, you just mentioned that you have a lot more to do. What, what are the, what, what, what- what are goals are on the horizon? For <laughs> well, um, open more studios. So we currently have nine studios around Australia for Freedas. Wow. Um, yeah. So we franchise six of them. So uh, my franchise manager and I are doing some big strategies just to push it out a bit more now that Victoria is kind of, we can expand into Victoria and New South Wales now, um, now that all the craziness is over. Yeah. Um, so just to build up the brand some more. Um, and then, you know, in terms of other things, um, you know, I've got a few things I want to do. I want to, you know, study. I want to do some counselling, diploma of counselling. There's a few little things I want to get my brain into. So, yeah. yeah, going back to learning music as well and all this type of stuff. So, What's the best piece of advice someone ever gave you? Um, oh, gosh. I suppose be on your side would be the best. I read this book recently that was um, an audio book that was, um, yeah, it was called Be On Your Side and I was listening to it and it was just to believe in yourself and just to, to you know, never put yourself, yeah. yeah, never put yourself down when you hear that, you know, thought in your head saying, oh, my God, I can't do this or I'm stupid or anything like that. Like just always turn it into, no, you can do this and just always be backing yourself. Um, that's that's probably the best advice, I'd say. 
Rebecca Bateman was my guest on today's episode of Everyone Has a Story. If you think there's something in there that's uh, relatable to some uh, family members or some friends of yours, please feel free to share today's episode of our podcast around on uh, your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.